You're listening to Gameplay with Matthew Cause on TSN 1050. Embrace the odds. I want winners. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the second hour of Gameplay. I am your host, Matthew Cause, right here on TSN 1050, and we're brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. And uh, speaking of FanDuel, man, with the lines moving all over the place for the Super Bowl. It started out as you had the Chiefs briefly briefly were a point and a half favorite and within like half an hour Philly was favored by two and then soon after that that line's gone down just a smidge also Raptors and Phoenix I'll tell you in a little bit, but I do like the Phoenix Suns tonight. It's nothing against the Raps, but there's a couple numbers out there that just have me a little bit concerned about Toronto in Phoenix. But joining me now to talk all things Maple Leafs, uh, and man, what a difference a day makes. Friday losing Ottawa 6-2, and then beating Washington 5-1 from inside the Maple Leafs with Sports Illustrated. It is David Alter. David, thanks for joining the show today. Hey, thanks for having me on, Matt. How's it going? Everything is uh, everything is dandy. Um, let's start with a really complex question that might go over your head. What the hell happened on Friday with Matt Murray? <laughs> well, now we know he has an ankle injury. That much we know. But like, you're certainly right to wonder because it was kind of a strange set of events that took place. I mean, he doesn't play... There's speculation as to what exactly happened, if something at all in the warm-up. But um, then he's on the bench, and that was probably the, the strangest thing out of all of it, is if he had an injury, which wasn't disclosed at the time until a day later in terms of what the nature of it was, why was he on the bench? Like, that's, like I, I, I've heard some theories, well, like maybe they didn't want Ottawa to know that there was an issue with the goaltender, but certainly they would have prepared for one goalie and saw another one come out. So that kind of defied logic as well. So I don't know. But uh, as long as um, we know the injury now, and uh, if he's out short long term, we don't know. But that's why Joseph Wall is here. And uh, that's why the Toronto Maple Leafs will roll with Ilya Samsonov, who has given the Leafs no doubts in terms of his capability in the net. Okay, hold on. i got to stop. Um at first, I was saying Samsonov. Then I was told it's Samsonov. How how are we saying his name? Yeah, well, I mean, I know they're saying Samsonov. I know the Russian pronunciation of it, which is closer to the other. So no one's actually going to say it correctly. It's a whole Thomas Coverley situation. Oh, that was the worst. Remember that day when he came out and said, actually, for the last seven years, you've been calling it wrong. It's Kaberla. Yeah. I'm like, no, yeah. you can't make us do that. So hold on. David, what you are telling me is no matter how I say it, I'll say it wrong. Is that what you're saying? Probably, yeah, yes, exactly. I love it. That takes all the pressure off me. There's no <laughs> chance I can be right. Huzzah! Um, on a scale of 1 to 10, how nervous should fans be just about the general health status of Matt Murray for this year and the length of his contract? Uh, the length of the contract, maybe the concern level should be a 7 just because, I mean, Matt Murray has this track record of of getting injured. This is going to be a second injury right now. Um, and maybe that might pose a problem for next year. But uh, in terms of his availability and all that other stuff, I think that number comes in lower just because, look, if you have other goalies in the system, like we'll see how Joseph Wall is if he actually gets a game or two in after the break if, if um, that situation calls for it. You know, it's time to see what else you got within the system. We know what Shalgren can do, but... 
Joseph Wall would have been the guy who would, who would have been called up before had he not been hurt. So um, I think there's ways to get around the Matt Murray situation if it doesn't work out, if that's uh, LTI or whatever the case may be. The term is low. Uh, I don't think it's, it's that much of a concern. It might hamstring them in the short term. But other than that, yeah, I think maybe a seven is probably correct in terms of what you were expecting or what you were hoping for in the situation that he finds himself in right now. Yeah, it's weird. Like, I don't know if this is fair. It probably isn't. But when what happened on Friday, because it was Matt Murray and because there was just some, I, I, I don't know, the things ended in Ottawa were on more of an, a negative cloud. And there always just seemed to be a little bit of shroud of mystery. If it was some other goalie and that happened, <clears throat> I don't think I would think much of it. And I, this might not be fair of me, but it, it's almost like, you know, you, you got that one couple and you know that uh, and they fight all the time. And so when they fight, you feel a little worse than when a normal, healthy couple fights. I don't know what it is. There's just something about what happened on Friday with Matt Murray where my end my radar went up a little bit higher and, and and again i'm not sure if that's fair or not but that's kind of how i view the matt murray injury look i mean when things are happening and the information isn't out there you're right to kind of think about you know the past and and some of these other things and the only other thing that was kind of strange with all of it was the fact that he hadn't played since january 17th leading up to that game mm-hmm. so so you wondered is there a correlation and is there something that there just hasn't been revealed and now they're realizing, oh, it's a bigger deal or, or it, it's not a case where they can go. But it, it turns out it was just something that flared up in the warm-up in this case and uh, everything else with the fact that it was against Ottawa again and the fact that he hadn't played, at least at their word, is coincidental. So you kind of have to take them at their word at this point. And I mean... Look, if somewhere down the road Matt Murray doesn't work out, there are ways around it. That's why they went this way and why they didn't commit to Jack Campbell for five years because the term is short. LTI is a thing where if it's an injury, they can LTI. They can use that money. It's not the best way to deal with the situation, but there's ways to deal with the situation. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if he's got an ankle injury, he's got to deal with it. But certainly that's two injuries now, and that's kind of coming as advertised with, with the risk that the Leafs were taking with a goaltender like Murray. What was the biggest difference for you between Friday and Sunday night in terms of, and obviously the, you know, the, the obvious answer is the score, but just in terms of play and what you saw on the ice? Yeah, I think there was uh, just a little bit more of a commitment to defense. I think someone like T.J. Brody made a big difference coming back in that game right. and solidifying Morgan Riley. Riley seemed to be, not that he wasn't comfortable before, but certainly was in a better groove when he just has his regular defensive partner there. And uh, remember, they both had different injuries. So even when Riley came back and Brody was healthy, he was still kind of ramping up in his uh, return to play. So I think now that they're both fully healthy made a big difference there. Um, I think Alex Kerfoot playing a whole game at the two center spot instead of just that third period when the game had already kind of got off the rails, I think has helped because I think that's where someone like Kerfoot is starting to see his value again after 
it was kind of going on a down, downward spiral for a little while because he wasn't getting the points. And when he wasn't getting the points and he was further down the lineup and he wasn't playing as much, he was kind of trying to figure out what his identity was on this team. And so when he can get thrust into that 2C spot and be effective for them, I think that helps him and that helps solidify that second line. And those two reasons combined with Brody, I think, are the biggest differences why that game looked very different than the one against the Senators. Yeah, it is funny about uh, T.J. Brody. He'll never get you many points, but it just seems to uh, not just solidify, but calm down and create sort of um, just more proper defensive structure when he's on the ice. Everyone gets to be with their proper partner as well. Uh, Moving over to John Tavares. Played his thousandth game, had two assists last night. Uh, Has been great in the month of January. The last four games, six points, uh, putting you know, a couple of games back-to-back, eight shots. Um, I think it's uh, clear to say this is the best version we've seen of Tavares all year. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, I think it's just it's one of those things where when you keep him in the middle, keep him elevated in that role that he's got, he seems to rise to that occasion. So he's playing with Mitch Marner again. I think we saw the best of John Tavares this season with Mitch Marner. When, when even when that wasn't necessitated by Austin Matthews being out of the lineup like he is right now. And so I think you take all those things into account and, and some of the other stuff that he's been working with, with skills coaches and trying to be more economical with his movement at his age right now uh, to be able to be that player that can still demonstrate the skill, but also not max out the miles. So I think that's a lot of the reason why you're seeing John Tavares really kind of have this turnaround season in terms of the even strength element. He was always kind of putting up the points, but you know the even strength points are are, are what the big improvement is for JT this year. Morgan Riley got his uh, first goal of the season. I'm not going to say it's directly related to to the return of TJ Brody, but more big picture, um, how important do you think it is for Morgan Riley to have TJ Brody back on the ice? I think it helps. Uh, it, it certainly looks like when he's playing with, with Brody and Brody's not kind of used to kind of move down in the lineup or just to kind of fix another issue on the defense, it helps because Morgan Riley just kind of has this number one tag status that comes with the territory of, of why he's paid what he's paid and everything. But But then when there's an issue further down the D, it seems like Brody is taken away from Riley to fix that other issue. And then you kind of have a rotating cast of characters uh, playing in there. And that's hard for someone like him, whether he'll admit it or not, to kind of find a groove and and just kind of get some stability in that spot. Even last year when Jake Muzzin kind of needed the correcting there, they brought Brody down and Riley was playing with a lot of different players before finding some chemistry with Ilya Labushkin, and now Labushkin's not here. So I think there's there's just a it's better for Morgan Riley at this point when he's got a stable defense partner that he trusts and that can play into that that top two role, and it's a defined top two when it's not TJ Brody and it just kind of rotates all around. You know, I thought there was some success there with. Timothy Lilligren, but then even in the last couple of games before Brody was back, they put Justin Hall in there, and so they, they kind of keep changing things. And so Brody just stabilizes everything. They like Jordano with Hall. They really like Sandino with Lilligren. And, and Riley with Brody is their optimal look, provided they don't add anybody and, 
And if Jake Muzzin doesn't come back, which he's still out indefinitely. So I think it's important to just get some stability in that top two and bro, he's that guy for Riley. Follow the man on Twitter, at D-Alter. You can check out his work inside the Maple Leafs. Leafs reporter David Alter. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much for joining the show today. Yep. You got it. Thank you. Yeah, right back at you, Dave Alter. Next game for the Leafs, you can hear it here on TSN 1050. It is Wednesday against the Boston Bruins. John Tavares will be on overdrive just after 4 o'clock. Coming up... On the other side of the show, uh, I'm going to go into some reasons why. Yep, I'm going to take the Phoenix Suns tonight against the Raptors. I hope I'm wrong, but at least try to justify my selection. And we'll do that right after traffic. Before we get into uh, thoughts on the Suns and the Raptors and going back to a crazy weekend of football... Uh, Hazel McCallion, the longtime McCallion, excuse me, longtime mayor of Mississauga, passed away over the weekend at the age of 101. And Haley Wickenheiser was uh, on social media talking about remembering very vividly coming back from the Salt Lake Olympics, and she was at the airport to greet players, to greet the team. Always a major supporter of women's hockey through the years. At the ACC, there was a moment, or Scotia Bank, there was a moment of silence. For her before the game against Washington. Um, back in the 40s, she was uh, on a professional women's hockey team making $5 a game, helped bring the Women's World Championships to Mississauga in 2000, uh, passing away over the weekend at the age of 101. And uh, let's go now to our very own Mississaugian producer, Chris Horvat. Any thoughts, Chris, on, uh, on Hazel passing away? Uh, just an absolute legend and deserving of every every flower, every accolade thrown her way. Uh, mm-hmm. She was absolutely deserving of it. And it was on like such a wide array of topics as well, right? First of all, she got the nickname Hurricane Hazel for a reason. Mm-hmm. She was such a tough gal. I don't know if you remember, but there was a story that she got hit by a car and she just stood up and continued walking like really? there was absolutely nothing which is incredible for a woman who is 70 forget it it's incredible yeah. for someone of any age yes uh, another thing was her her fiscal responsibility uh, it wasn't until the end of her tenure in office in Mississauga that Mississauga finally started taking on debt Mississauga for a long time was one of the only North American cities in 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 the the, the continent that didn't have debt. Really? Yeah, and it's it, it's a shocking thing. You would think just in the modern world that's yeah. near impossible. Yeah. But I did uh, quite a bit of reading on that, and then you already mentioned it as well. Lots of support for the women's game, yep. and uh, just an inc- an incredible ambassador for an incredible city that I've lived in for thirty three years. So. Rest in peace to Hazel. Yeah. Uh, you will not be forgotten. Oh, no, ab- absolutely not. It was just, it's also just sort of weird. It's like, wait a minute. You know, it's, she was always sort of just always around. Um, awkwardly transitioned from that. Uh, Raptors taking on the Suns tonight. Uh, the Raptors get blown out by Golden State on Friday. Then they beat Portland on Saturday. The positives of those games was Precious Achua and Scotty Barnes. Both look great. But I, I like the Suns. Uh, Phoenix has won five of their last six games. 
And a lot of this has to be just how tired the Raptors have to be. Van Vliet has played 81 minutes in the last two nights. Siakam has played 79. And since Siakam came back from injury near the end of November, he's played 53 more minutes than anyone else in the NBA. Scotty Barnes is fifth on that list, while Van Vliet is ninth. You know, I'm debating whether or not I would take them on uh, the money line or just the spread, but I like the Phoenix Suns. There is, a, but there is a FanDuel, uh, FanDuel uh, super boost. Scotty Barnes to score 15 points or more. Fred Van Vliet to record four three pointers or more. That was at plus 270. It's been boosted up to plus 350. But yes, I um, and uh, so much of the public right now, they like uh, they're they're all on the Raptors. As uh, the Raptors are now just a point and a half underdog against the Suns, I'm going to take Phoenix. I don't know. Uh, boy, uh, when you talk about the disappointing teams in the NBA this season, I think you'd have to start that list with the Phoenix Suns. Absolutely I mean, you would. You and I were joking around before the show. I think based on how the Suns have performed with Devin Booker out of the lineup, this guy should get some down-ballot MVP votes. Because yeah. they went from being a top-of-the-Western Conference favorite to a team really struggling to even make 500. Uh it looks finally like uh, age has caught up with Chris Paul. He's not having quite the standout performance that he usually does. DeAndre Ayton seems like, yeah, something could be going on behind the scenes there. Some internal tension. Yeah, that's been um, going on for a while, yeah, between them. So, I mean... I- I don't see them really getting it back on track anytime soon. I know that Cam Johnson just returned for them recently. He's a really good 3 and D wing for them, but I don't know. Uh, I, I kind of like the Raptors tonight, to be right. completely honest with you. Well, see, because I am on a hot streak right now. Actually, one final thought on the Suns. Whatever you think your window is to your favorite organization, whatever you think the window is for that team to win a championship, consider the Phoenix Suns. Two years ago, they were up 2-0 in the NBA Finals against Milwaukee. They lose four straight. The next year, they win 64 games. And then Luka happens. And they get blown out by (laughs) Dallas in Game 7 at home. At home! And now they're one game over five hundred. They have basically the same record as the Utah Jazz. I mean, there there is a important reason why they were one of the biggest suitors for Kevin Durant in the offseason. Yeah. I mean, imagine how different that team looks with Kevin Durant. Sure, you could say that about all the other NBA teams, but there was a reason they were going after him. He really he would have been such a great fit there with Booker and Paul. No. Uh, it's unfortunate that uh, for them, I guess, that he didn't. Go there. Yeah, for them, for the rest of us, eh, I'm okay with it. Uh, getting back <laughs> to the the NFL, let's play this clip from Stephen A. Smith. And right now, I think a lot of people are on Philly. I don't normally, when I bet, I normally do bets like ten or fifteen dollars. When I do more, it's for those goofy, um, you know, cowardly bets that have like a ninety five percent chance of winning. But on Friday, when I'm like going over uh, you know, the NFC-AFC championship game, I love the Eagles. I was on air saying, I think the Eagles could blow out San Fran. And they did. Now, obviously, I didn't expect um, to, see their thir- to see Purdy get hurt and then to see Josh Johnson get hurt. And then, you know, it's not like Philly was overly impressive after that first touchdown drive. They had three drives where they got 13 yards and three punts. But I bet a lot of people right now kind of favor Philly. Kansas City, a lot of injuries at wide out. We'll see how healthy Mahomes is. Philly's got the better offensive and defensive line. But if you want to take Kansas City, maybe it's the fact that Philly, how many good quarterbacks have they faced all year? 
I went through it. They faced two, Dak Prescott and Aaron Rodgers. And, and here's Stephen A. Smith talking about how the Eagles haven't faced someone like Mahomes yet. The fact of the matter is, is that everybody ain't Patrick Mahomes. You, Michael Irvin, right. you played with quarterbacks. Ain't Troy Aikman something special? Ain't that brother something special? Yeah, ain't he something different? He just ain't anybody, right? Well, Patrick Mahomes just ain't anybody. There's no shade. Whether it's the 49ers and their fourth-string quarterbacks or no quarterback at all or the Giants with Daniel Jones before that or any team, any game you want to pick out for a 17-game regular season, there's no shade. We understand this is the NFL. It's any given Sunday or Monday or Thursday. Anything could happen. We get all of that. But Patrick Mahomes is a bit different. Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy calling plays is a bit different. Travis Kelsey, the Kelsey Super Bowl, it's a little bit different, okay? And so when we know this, stop acting like it's, it's beyond the pale. Actually, that's clever Stephen A. 70% of what he said was just empty calories, and then he ends it with a sort of straw man argument. No one thinks Philly's easily going to win this game. It's one of the shortest spreads we've ever seen in a Super Bowl. But who's got the better offensive line? Philly, who's got the better defensive line? Uh, it's uh, I, I think yes, you could you you would say Philly for both lines, but yes. I would say it's pretty marginal. Like I, I would not say it's a significant advantage on either side of the ball. There, um, Hassan Riddick was even better than Chris Jones, and Chris Jones was incredible, incredible on Sunday. Philly just has so many more weapons on the defensive line. And then, you know, secondary, probably give it slightly to Philly. Like, it just, mm-hmm. and part of it's just all the injuries. All the injuries. You know, as long as Philly does a good job jamming Kelsey at the line of scrimmage and putting the whatever best defender, we don't know how healthy. It, like, put it this way the fact that we're bringing up the idea of they might be out of Kadarius Tony, <laughs> like, that's like, that should not be an issue. But who's the set? Like, I mean, great on Mahomes for what he did. That's the most one of the most heroic performances I've seen. Um, getting three hundred and twenty-six yards. Uh, but when Valdez Scantling is your next best option, that's not a good thing. It's not. No, and I mean, you, you saw that Juju Smith-Schuster was injured as well. Yep. So they're they're really banged up right now. Travis Kelsey was a big question mark going into the game with back spasms. I do kind of wonder if this two-week break is going to come at the right time for them, though, because they are going to have a chance to get healthy. And if you give me a healthy or even like a close-to-healthy Patrick Mahomes, I'm probably taking him in that scenario because, as we saw on Sunday, he is uh, one of the select few players in sports that deserves the term magic. Oh, he, yeah. He just, he's Steph Curry. Uh, he's a Steph Curry of the NFL. Just, he defies logic, and I'm currently leaning towards the Chiefs. I don't know. You said you're I'm leaning Philly. towards the Eagles. I'm leaning right? towards Philly. Also this, I love Mahomes. I started the show today. That's one of the most heroic, gutty performances I've ever seen a quarterback play. But go back to 2020. They lose to Tampa 31-9 because Tampa Bay's talent overwhelmed Kansas City's. Keep that in mind. We could see something similar. That was a Chiefs team that went 14-2. and Hey, yo, we'll ask our next guest. Yes, we will. Dominic Padula from TSN Edge. He'll join us. We'll weigh in on what we saw and what we expect to see in the Super Bowl. That's coming up next. Hey, I 
Welcome back, everyone. This is uh, Game Play. I'm your host, Matthew Cause, right here on TSN 1050. Remember, you can stream us at tsn1050.ca, and you can get this show and all the shows on the iHeartRadio app. John Tavares will be joining Overdrive just after 4 o'clock, and then tonight it is the Raptors and the Suns, where it feels like every game is a referendum on the team, on the roster, on the future. When the real answer is is that any major move that will be done will be less by what you see on the court and more by what sort of deals could be out there. The Super Bowl is now set. The Kansas City Chiefs will be facing the Philadelphia Eagles. NFC Championship game was a dud. AFC Championship game was a gloriously entertaining, sloppy, weird game. Join me now to look back at the weekend that was and maybe a little peek ahead to the Super Bowl. TSN Edge Senior Sports Betting Analyst. It is Dominic Padula. Dominic, thanks so much for joining the show today. Thank you for having me. What a what a day yesterday was. It eh? caused a little bit of... I, I feel like if the games were flipped, it might not have dragged for people. I think that, that obviously the Bengals-Chiefs game was just lights out, but anyone that had to sit through that 49ers game, I mean, oh, what a stud for a championship game. Well, I mean, to me, it's just the moment Purdy got hurt and Hassan Reddick was the best player on the field for either team, the moment mm-hmm. he got hurt, I'm like, all right, this game's done. Even even yeah. though we haven't even mentioned it, that Christian McCaffrey, that incredible touchdown, broke a, t- you know, broke a couple tackles, made some guys miss, but at the moment Purdy went out, I'm like, all right, this game is over. Yeah, absolutely, and what an effort by McCaffrey because I think a lot of people were betting on that McCaffrey touchdown prop. There was a little bit of extra incentive to bet on it yesterday, and I think that uh, when Purdy got hurt, a lot of people were wondering if he'd even have a chance to get to the end zone, breaks a couple of tackles, gets that big touchdown, makes a lot of people happy. Um, you're right. That game was over at the time, and what a live betting opportunity it was because it was still tied 7-7, um, after that McCaffrey touchdown, and I, I, I couldn't understand it. I, I, for me, I was just trying to handle the Eagles as much as I could. Uh, getting them at less than a touchdown with Brock Purdy hurt, to me, live in-game, that was surprising. It was, and to me, and I get plenty right, and I get just as much as often more wrong, uh, to me, the easiest bet all weekend for uh, was the Eagles' money line. I just thought Philly was the far superior team, and you're right, in-game. And then even Wilder, when Jeff Johnson, or uh, Josh Johnson, excuse me, uh, when Josh Johnson got a concussion early in the third quarter, yeah. San Fran had 27 yards on 16 snaps in the last uh, 27 and a half minutes of that game. This is ridiculous, and I actually thought... Uh, when when uh, Johnson got hurt, I thought, you know, Shanahan's got to do something here. Like, I get it. We saw the one uh, pass attempt by Christian McCaffrey. I, you're kind of out, of out of options at that point. But the way they had to grind out the rest of the game running the football, it kind of felt bad for the guys, especially knowing what their ceiling was and knowing that they had gone through four quarterbacks and obviously a, a chance to go back to the Super Bowl on the line. Terrible way for the season to end. Um, but what an opportunity with the Eagles. You're right. Eagles money line, jumped on that early in the week, uh, jumped on Eagles minus two and a half. It was still less than a field goal before kickoff. It's 7-7, and the 49ers are without four guys at quarterback. They're, they're down to Brock Purdy, and he's unable to throw, and we're still seeing Eagles minus seven and a half. I thought that was a gift for anybody that was following along and playing the NFC Championship game at FanDuel. 
On the uh, on the other side, what was your biggest takeaway from the AFC Championship game? It was ugly as hell. The officiating yeah. was horrible. The Joseph Asai, Asai hit on Mahomes, or the play of a very much banged up Patrick Mahomes. Of those four options, Dominic Padula, what's the first one that sticks out for you? Uh, I'm going to say the play of Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I'll preface it by saying I don't usually talk about officiating. I don't like to do it, especially when I'm on the other side, because uh, I get that it happens both ways. Uh, I thought the officiating throughout the entire game, uh, it just made it difficult to watch. And I feel like people that were on the Chiefs and Bengals were saying that. So I, I, I felt like, you know, the way the game played out, I, I didn't really appreciate it, but I, I do understand that it goes both ways. And, and so I'll give it to Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the guy goes suffers a high ankle sprain. Everybody's wondering if he'll even be able uh, to finish the game. Uh, obviously, we saw him pull up in the third quarter, and he was playing hurt uh, for most of the second half, and he gutted it out. And, and in the end, you know, obviously there was a block in the back on the return that gave him good field position, and then um, the penalty scrambling out of bounds. But um, in order for those things to happen, really, um, Mahomes has to keep plays alive with his legs, and with the game on the line in the fourth quarter, he made the plays that mattered, and uh, now he's going back to the Super Bowl. So, I mean, really a special story, and kudos to the Chiefs. Uh, best team in the AFC is uh, going to get a chance to play for another Lombardi trophy. How shocked were you that when the game ended, again, joined by Dominic Padula, TSN Edge, senior sports betting analyst, how shocked were you that the moment the game was over, Kansas City opened as a one-and-a-half-point favorite? Now, within half an hour, that line shot to the Eagles, favored by two-and-a-half. I haven't checked on FanDuel. I'm imagining somewhere between one-and-a-half and two now, Philly's favorite. But were you amazed that Kansas City even opened as a favorite, considering how banged up they are? Yeah, I was surprised. Um, and it was the same thing as the previous week with the Bengals, with uh, Chiefs opening minus three. I jumped on Bengals plus three. Um, yesterday, Chiefs open as a favorite, jump on the Eagles' money line. Um, but look, uh, this thing I think will continue to swing. We've got two weeks, same, same thing that we saw with the AFC Championship game. Opens KC minus three, swings all the way to Cincinnati minus two and a half. Some books touch Cincinnati minus three, and then it goes back the other way. Uh, stays less than a field goal for the majority of the time. I think that's what we see with this game. I think you know Mahomes is going to have a full two weeks to rest and prepare. Travis Kelsey obviously was dealing with a back injury. I thought that caught a lot of people off guard on Sunday that weren't aware of the situation. And then after the great Jake Glazier report comes out, um, some talk about whether or not Kelsey would be good enough to actually play the game. The Chiefs got a ton of injuries. That's going to be the big thing for them. Mahomes, Kelsey, Kadarius, Tony, obviously Nicole Hardman, Pacheco goes down, uh, and then on the defensive side, Legarius Sneed. Um, but as time goes by, I think anything, any time where you get Kansas City less than a field goal in a big game, as long as Mahomes is good to go, you're going to see some money come in on the Chiefs. So I think that's going to keep it between three on either side, wherever it ends up. And I think in the end, the biggest thing is going to be Mahomes and Kelsey getting two weeks to prepare for that game. Um, that'll give them a chance to win. Um, right now, I'm on the Eagles. I think the Eagles are the superior team, but the Chiefs have the superior quarterback, and that's going to create a very interesting dynamic when the Super Bowl rolls around. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, and, and by the way, good on Philly. They were 50-1 to to win the Super Bowl in the offseason. They got A.J. Brown, and, that, and there's still their odds were only 25-1. to 
But if I just look at it overall and at every position, I think Philadelphia is superior on both lines. We can argue how much. I think Mm -hmm. Philly is at least the more experienced secondary. I mean, give the Chiefs credit. Those young guys are out there whether they're making plays. Uh, Philly is better at wide receiver. Um, not as good at tight end, but they still got Dallas Goddard, better at running back. Like I just, If I just look at everything, I think a lot of people are going to take Kansas City because they can't imagine you know, Mahomes losing, but they got killed by Tampa Bay just a couple years ago in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and one thing that I think will be play an interesting role, because you, you touched on the offense and defensive sides of the football, the talent disparity, um, with the exception of the quarterback position, um, I think the, the Chiefs, a big, a big topic going into Sunday was, would their Chiefs offensive line be able to hold up and protect Mahomes? And I think as the week progressed, a lot of people were talking about how Andy Reid adjusted the game plan, get the ball out of Mahomes' hands quickly. There was, uh, obviously he was limited with his mobility, so there was a lot of quick um, getting the ball to a spot and letting playmakers make plays. I think that's going to be absolutely crucial um, for the Super Bowl, and I, I, I know Philly's going to see it coming. They got to watch what the Bengals did, how they handled it. The Bengals weren't able to get a lot of pressure. Um, obviously, there were, there were a ton of holding calls, and I thought there were some uh, potential holding calls that went uncalled, um, but that's going to be a big part of the dynamic. It's just the game plan for the Kansas City Chiefs, how the Eagles prepare, and whether or not that pressure is able to get home, because I thought, you know, even though there were some holding calls, I thought the Chiefs' offensive line held up pretty well for the most part. And I think that was an underrated uh, aspect of the outcome because Mahomes was limited. He did make a couple plays with his legs. But if it wasn't for that offensive line holding up, Chiefs could have been in trouble. It was a game that went down to the fourth quarter, a field goal, and, and you're on to the Super Bowl. Um, I think if, if it wasn't for the offensive line stepping up, it could have been a different story. Oh, absolutely. If you go back and look at that Scantling touchdown pass, A, a great pass in a tiny window, but Mahomes mm-hmm. had time to scan the field and uh, yeah. go through all his uh, go through all his progressions. Hey, thank you so much, Dominic, for joining the show today. We will be chatting soon leading up to the Super Bowl. Fun prop bets and all of that. Thanks so much for joining the show. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much, Kyle. Have a good one. Absolutely. You as well. Dominic Padula from TSN Edge. And, yeah, the offensive line uh, by the Chiefs was was really good. You know, uh, Burrow was sacked five times. Mahomes did get sacked three times. But on so many of the big plays, it was about the offensive uh, by the Chiefs on offense. So many of their big plays was because they gave Gimpy Mahomes time to throw. And, you know, especially on on that touchdown, on the Kelsey touchdown, the O-line did the job. And, yeah, it wasn't a good game. And for everyone out there saying this is rigged, the NFL doesn't need to rig. The NFL is famous enough. It doesn't matter who the teams are. We're going to watch them. Thursday night games between the Titans and the Colts do better ratings than NBA playoff games. They don't. That's sad. That's so sad. It's true. <laughs> it is true, but it's so sad. <laughs> Preseason NFL games do better than NBA playoff games. More people will watch the Pro Bowl, whatever the hell it is. They're going to watch Game Seven of the Western Conference Finals in the NHL. The NFL doesn't need to rig.
They don't, but I mean, they would also stand to benefit in a certain How? way. They don't, like, listen, they're going to make all the money. They're going to get all the ratings. And if you say the Chiefs are the better story, I can go and watch that game, the end of that game, and go, do I want to watch gimpy Patrick Mahomes against that Eagles pass rush? You oh, you're assuming he's going to be gimpy still in two weeks. We'll see. For the record, I'm just playing devil's oh, advocate I know, I know. here. I mean, the Kelsey angle is interesting. The Mahomes versus the uh, Hurts angle is mm-hmm. interesting oh, as yeah. well. Reed versus his old team. I mean... Tons of, no, there's tons of them. Oh, there's absolutely. no shortage of narratives over the next two weeks. Yep, but if you head Cincinnati, you've got young, good-looking Joe Burrow, second Super Bowl. You've got A.J. Green, T. Higgins, you've, and, and Boyd if he's healthy. So you've got, you've got better weapons on Cincinnati than you do on Kansas City, where it's it's Kelsey and a bunch of nobodies. Is Patrick Mahomes ugly? Is that what I t- take away from that comment? No, but, but Kel- <laughs> he's an old man, 27. But who's the... Everyone always likes the newer, younger story. Well, that's of course, Mahomes. Of course. You know, that, that's why, and also, if you have Cincinnati, well, now you're having a team where it's going to be... Whatever the quarterback that wins is going to be winning their first time. It's true, and we love to see first-time winners, but the only thing we love to see more than that, mm-hmm. we love legacy. We, we love legacy. Oh, yeah. yeah dynasty. Yeah. We, we love to see somebody own the league, and uh, Mahomes will have a chance to continue doing that uh, two weeks from now. I, I Right now, my feeling is I'm going to bet Philly, but I'm going to be rooting for Kansas City. Ooh, yeah! I got happiness hedge. I'm gonna be rooting. Yeah, I'm gonna be rooting for. I'm gonna be rooting for Kansas City. Uh, a lot of it just because of Mahomes, but also though you got to give total credit. And this is gonna be a topic over the next two weeks because again we're we're entering this sort of weird zone where it's a week before the Super Bowl week. Um, the work done by Howie Roseman, the work done by Seriously. by the Eagles uh, management, bringing in Nick Sirianni. Like they they only they won the Super Bowl like five years ago. They have a new coach, new quarterback, um, new you know, they're a new top receiver, like just new all over the place. It's incredible what they've done. It is. It truly is. This guy's got to be regarded as one of the top executives in the NFL. I do want to just circle back there for a second. You yeah. know, as a uh, a diehard diehard New York Giants fan, yeah. I, I do think you are obligated to be against the Eagles. Yeah. And I just want to point out: Did you see what happened with the Empire State Building last night? That was so stupid. Why did they they, they went? They went. Was it green? Eagles green in New York. Why would they do that? Uh, I don't know. Was I, there a reason I, why? I have no idea. I cannot justify it. I cannot conjure up a good reason for it. However, this did happen very close to us recently, right? It happened when when the Habs eliminated the Leafs. They they made the CN Tower red and blue. But, but was that a bet? Was that like like like? I, I don't think so. Who's in charge of any of this? Who are the idiots in charge? Uh, who are the municipal leaders that would allow this? You want to talk about conspiracy theories? Mm. I think Justin Trudeau pulled a uh, yes. authoritarian move oh, there. And once said, again, Trudeau. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He had to remind the uh, good folks of Toronto who yeah. he cheers for, yeah, exactly. as if we care about that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Trudeau, limiting our freedoms. Anyway, on the other side, sound of the day. We'll uh, ooh, the one we got to get to. The Bengals play-by-play announcers, the moment the late hit was called on Patrick Mahomes, they knew what was coming and just pure pain. We'll do that right after traffic. Welcome back, everyone. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cause. Gameplay on TSN 1050. 
was brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Get your winnings fast when you download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Overdrive is coming up next, and John Tavares will be joining them just after 4 o'clock, around 4.05. Tavares is Southland's game. By the way, saying I, it's easier just to go game number 1,000 than to do 1,000 with a TH at the end. That's always tricky. Uh, but congrats to him playing in game number 1,000 in a 5-1 win over Washington. He had two assists and, you know, a really nice game. He's been spectacular in the month of January. And then later tonight, it is the Raptors taking on the Phoenix Suns. As for now, we do this at the end of each and every show. It is time now for Sound of the Day. Just like we knew the NFC Championship game was done the moment Brock Purdy got injured, we all kind of knew the AFC Championship game was done when on third and four, Patrick Mahomes finds a way to scramble for five yards, but then Joseph Asai, really good defensive end for the Bengals, uh, just a dumb, dumb penalty, roughing the passer penalty, hits Mahomes, Mahomes was clearly out of bounds. And when that penalty happened, game was tied at 20, ball was going to be spotted at around the Third at uh, around like the 28 yard line, yeah, because it was like a 45 yard field goal. That was the moment when that penalty happened. We knew, oh, AFC Championship game is done. And you felt pain for Bengal fans out there. Well, how did the broadcasters sound? Here it is the radio call of that late hit. Snap. Two receivers out to each side. Mahomes with a deep drop. Now moving in the pocket. Running to the right and running well. He's at the 50. He's trying to run for the first down. He goes out Uh, of bounds. And the Bengals push him after he was out of bounds. Multiple flags are going to tack 15 yards onto this play. Eight seconds left in regulation. And with that penalty, the Chiefs will be in field goal range. Man, you have to be more aware. This football team has got... A lot of awareness. Not on that play. <laughs> you know what? Good on uh, good on play-by-play for never swearing. You know, they're professionals and everything, but I always wondered, did anyone ever drop an F-bomb like in a moment like that? I would imagine that if for local broadcasts, it's a lot harder because, you know, those types of announcers tend to wear their heart on their sleeve yeah. more. However, if you're in like a big national stage, if you're Kevin Harlan or Joe Buck, I, I don't think it's hard for those guys. No, no. Oh, yeah. No, I'm talking uh, the local and especially radio where you're, it's, everything's a little more casual because you don't have TVs on you. You don't have the cameras on you. You're not always, you know, making yourself aware of everything around you when you're just sometimes just in the middle calling a game. So that can be a little bit different. In the end, the right team won on both sides. We could talk about officiating and calls missed. Um, the officials missed some calls that would have benefited Kansas City early in the game. But no, the Bengals got, you know, they were the biggest, uh, the biggest victims of, of incompetent officiating on Sunday. Not saying that, 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 that they weren't. But Kansas City... Fewer turnovers, more yards, more first downs. Cincinnati had an opportunity with the ball, like six, seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. Game tied, not able to get it done. A Chris Jones sack late, um, you know, sets up Kansas City for that final winning field goal. So it will be the Eagles and the Chiefs. And I think everyone's got to be thrilled. That's a great matchup. 
Oh, there's no doubt. I think I said this on Friday. It didn't matter what four teams won. We were going to get a good matchup, and there's no doubt Eagles versus Chiefs uh, is going to deliver. Chris Horvat, great job as always. You the man, Matty. Thank you very much, my friend. Everyone out there again, Tavares at 4.05, overdrive till 7. Then you got the Raptors and the Phoenix Suns. That'll do it for me. Time now for traffic.